Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 383 of the podcast with my wonderful, wonderful guest, Colin Mockery. I am so happy to have him as a boy of summer, and I am so happy to be speaking to you on this, the final week of Max Fun Drive. It is our last week, our last push. I just want to reiterate again, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have been able to support um, in all the ways that you've been able to support. I know it has been different uh, and harder for some, and you have supported in other ways. This has been a really tough time, you know, for everybody. We've all been making sacrifices, um, and this idea of the common good, um, I think, has never been more at the the sort of forefront of what we're dealing with in our lives. And um, I think, you know, at times we lose track of that. I feel like I continue to see that not be lost track of and be focused on and be front and center for um, everyone in the MaxFun community. And I just want to celebrate that. I think that's so wonderful. Here is this community of tens of thousands of people who rely on each other to make some pretty magical stuff happen in the world. And I'm so lucky to be a part of that. And I am so lucky to have you as a part of that. So thank you. Thank you for your support. Joining if you have not had the chance to do so yet is quick and easy. You can just visit MaximumFun.org join and you'll see all the different levels and the thank you gifts we can offer with each. You get great bonus content. I know I mentioned an upcoming new bonus uh, episode with PJ Byrne, who plays Bolin on The Legend of Korra, but a bunch of other roles. He's basically the friend that I see in everything. I'm like, and there's Paige again. Um, so this bonus content that you get that's across the entirety of Max Fun is a really large library, and you'll have access to all of that and all the back catalogs for just $5 a month. Um, for some of you, that might mean foregoing, you know, like a beloved coffee or a, a beloved treat um, that you're still letting yourself have. And <laughs> listen, I get it because I love a good treat. So uh, I understand making those comparisons. And for some of you, you've already given that stuff up. And I get that as well, my dear friends. Uh, but if you can do it, $5 a month gets you a ton of stuff. At $10 per month, you get to choose a cool enamel pin from your favorite show, club and you will have the option to purchase others i just bought some uh and the proceeds from the additional pins go to charity and then at 20 dollars a month you get the max fun custom game pack max fun dice and a velvet bag with a rocket logo a deck of max fun custom playing cards uh with podcast inspired designs and then as you probably know if you've listened to past episodes if you select the jv club as one of your main podcasts uh, a mash game is available to you with me on video chat those of you who have done it before know it takes like kind of a long time, sometimes up to an hour. I don't mess around. If you are giving $20 a month to Max Fun for the year, uh, I am giving you my love eye-to-eye contact and uh, having a ton of fun playing a MASH game. Um, it may mean I am doing a lot of those. I couldn't be more happy to put my time uh, aside to do that with you. So that is something that uh, you also qualify for if you are $20 a month. Let's get into this episode with Colin. Want to? Woo, that was high-pitched. Love you guys. How are you? What's happening in the world in the world today? World of me? Um. Oh, 
Not much. It's been, um, I hate to put a positive spin on this, but before um, all this happened, I was doing two different tours and I was shooting a movie. So um, when the borders closed and I had to come home, it was like, oh, I have a rest for a while and can spend time with the family. So that was nice because I think I was getting on the edge of getting burnt out. So that was good. Yeah, what, now, are, what, what what were the two different tours that you were doing? Were you doing one like solo and then one something else? Like Who's Line or One, uh, Brad Sherwood and I, uh, he's also on sure. Who's Line. He, he and I have been touring for 17 years together. So uh, I was doing that. And I also have a, a, a new tour with um, a hypnotist. <gasps> he hypnotizes audience members and then I improvise with them. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard about this. I did know about the the you and Brad tour, I realize. I can't believe I audibly gasped like I was in a period piece when well, you said me, that you were I touring with a hypnotist. But every night to do it. It's, what? it's, it's terrifying. What happened? Give me a snapshot if you can. I'm fascinated. He, uh, Assad, the hypnotist, asked for 20 volunteers. They rushed the stage like we're offering free food. <laughs> Then he hypnotizes them, gets it down to the best five subjects, and then they and I form an instant improv troupe and do an improv show, um, doing various games with Assad and I sort of both leading them through um, the improv world. It's been really fascinating. I can't believe, I want to ask you all of the annoying questions that you probably had to answer when you first started doing press for this show, because I imagine that uh, media outlets and journalists uh, scrambled almost as if they were the hypnotized people themselves, uh, scrambling to talk about this with you, because it's such an interesting idea. But I, but now I feel compelled to, to know the answer of, you know, how the, how the, how it came about. Um, Assad was taking... Uh, improv classes at Second wow. City and he realized that what the teachers were asking him to do is what he does to his subjects he gets them to um, get out of their head and just go by instinct so he contacted my agent and asked uh, if we could get together and he pitched the show and I thought wow this is terrifying sure let's do it yeah so um, we I think we started with six weeks in Edinburgh, Edinburgh Festival, which was, uh, I mean, the first time we did the show was the first time we did the show because there was no way we could rehearse it. Sure. So, um, so there was that terrifying aspect. And I would ask Assad, hey, if I ask them to do this, will they do it? And he would say, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the subject. Some will, some will just stare at you. Sure. I thought, oh, what a, I should have asked this before I said yes to it, but <laughs> all right. And um, it's become one of my favorite things now. It was terrifying. It's, I mean, it's, every night is still terrifying. But I learned that I um, didn't have to work as hard as I thought I did. I thought, I, oh, I'm going to just have to carry everything. and make, But actually um they become pure improvisers so they just accept wow. everything you give them and they've actually um added things and taken it off into weird directions so it's been it's been fun 
Oh, this is what an amazing. I feel like someone needs to write a dissertation on this show. It feels like it's just ripe for so much sociological uh, just gold mining. Um, I love the idea that you that, that the, the, the tables are totally turned and that the person who's nervous is you. Right. One of one of, yeah. one of the world, arguably one of the world's most seasoned, uh, delightful improvisers that 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 those people who have who never done it would be the ones that just sort of felt like blithe about the it's whole amazing. thing is wonderful. Yeah. And every night we have a star. And one one of them was this woman who suffered from crippling social anxiety. Uh, I, I, I talked to them afterwards just to see what their experience was like. And she said, I have no idea why I volunteered, but. She said, I never felt like, I've never felt like that on my life. I felt I could do anything. And then there was an 80-year-old stroke survivor who was amazing. It's just, yeah, it's just incredible. And do you, in your experience with hypnotism, have you been hypnotized? Or do you feel that you'd be um, open to it? Slash, uh, I don't want to say susceptible, because that sounds like it's a prank. But um, yeah. I, yeah, I think I'd be open to it. I'd like to think, hey, I'm an improviser. I'll yes and it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, Assad says it's something like 25% of the population um, can easily be hypnotized. And then there's all these other factors that will stop you. Um, so it's, it's been interesting. See, it's been interesting for me watching because I'm off stage while he's doing the induction. And I can see the people who are um, not going to be hypnotized, who are faking it. Yeah. Uh, the ones who immediately go under. It's yeah, it's great. Oh, I absolutely love this, but I promise you, we'll talk about more than just that. Um, so right. that's so that's happening, and then somehow you're also squeezing it. Was it was there any sort of uh, synchronicity with like what you were doing with Brad and and being in the same city and overlap, or was it really just sort of like now I'm zipping over here, but I'll just have to turn right back around and zip back over here to do this other show. Oh yeah, there's totally um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a night. I'm pretty sure it was a nightmare for our bookers <laughs> because we were trying to set. And of course, you know, Ryan's out touring also. So there's all of these oh. improv troops trying to, um, you know, at least have a couple of months between um, one group landing. So, yeah, it's not really my problem. <laughs> so <laughs> I happily delegate that. Yeah. And then you were shooting a movie as well. That's a lot. I was shooting. Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice just to come home and sort of relax. And uh, luckily, our our daughter had just moved back with us. Uh, we're in Toronto. And she wanted to save up money uh, to get a place on her own. And um, where, are you, where are you right now? I'm in L.A. Yeah. It's where just, we proudly like just broke the record of the highest single-day reported cases in the United States in the history of this virus. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Oh, boy. <laughs> there was something I could do. But... Anyway. No, there is. Actually, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Now, this is going to sound complicated. <laughs> I'm going to hypnotize people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's all come together just as it was meant to. Uh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Yes. So you are So you're in Toronto. Uh, so Your my, daughter had just yes, moved back. My, uh, my daughter is staying with us, so um, it was nice when this happened. We were all together, and mm -hmm. she also is um, um, a, a trans woman and had her surgery uh, a week ago. Um, so it's just, it's been, you know, there's been stuff to do. Yeah. My, weirdly enough, uh, 
almost exactly a week ago, my dear, dear cousin Julian, who listeners of the podcast uh, know is trans. Uh, he's been male for a decade now, but has been undergoing a recent surgery um, just last week at the exact same time, basically. Um, and I was a little worried I still get I still go into the place of like, oh, no, but what if he's near Corona while he's like physically vulnerable, even though that seems to not even be any kind of an issue because the where that, you know, where that's happening and the great care that's being taken um, in medical facilities. It's 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 an undue worry. But did you have like a flicker of that at all? No, Good. Um, only because this particular hospital, that's all they're doing right now. Got they it. have no. um they're not dealing with COVID at, at all. Yeah. It's just, uh, they, they're doing a gender reassignment. It was, it was um, weird dropping her off and then watching her, because we couldn't go with her yeah. uh, and we couldn't visit her. So, um, I mean, thank God for the technology we have today. So, you know, I'm, oh, I was gonna say immediately, but not immediately after her surgery, but she FaceTimed us so we could see her and at least Oh, good. So that, you know, that helped a little. And then uh, four days later, she was back with us. And it's just been, um, she came through with flying colors. All oh, the good. fears that all of us had about what this period was going to be um, yeah. just totally are dispelled now. Oh, good. Oh, congratulations mm -hmm. to you all, but particularly to your daughter. That's really good news. Yeah, she's really happy. But it is, it, that is crazy. That so, so the surgery was already scheduled. She came back home and then this all of this happened where you know it couldn't have been better timing in terms of just yeah. being able to be together and yeah yeah she was actually scheduled for later uh it was supposed to happen in august and then when all this happened it got canceled and then they called and said we've actually um they say that we're safe to open so this will be two months ahead of when you were supposed to uh, do you want to do it and she said uh, yeah, so it really did, you know, I hate to, again, not to talk positive about this horrible pandemic, but it's really worked out for us. <laughs> Listen, I, I welcome good news. I think we all feel that way. I don't think there's anyone among us, I hope, I mean, certainly I can't speak for the world, but I, there is so much negativity associated with it. And there's so, there's, no one is, you know, turning away from the reality except for a certain president but uh there you know there's 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 a there's a real acknowledgement of everything that comes along with this that is very scary and very difficult and and you know tragic um i welcome anything that has a you know a silver lining to this i think that's something that's really important those are things that are really important to check in with um yeah it's so easy to get overwhelmed by the all the horrible aspects and all the horrible stories and everything that's been happening in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, it's always um, nice when you get that little ray of sunshine, it just yeah. you know, builds into a big warm summer. What a horrible metaphor that was, but yeah. <laughs> Listen, weather metaphors are eternal. They are universal. What do we have if we can't compare things to weather? What do we even have? That's true. Um, how has uh, Toronto been? I have a friend who is separated from her uh, her sweetie. Um, she because she's she lives in Toronto and he's 
in the States. He's here in L.A. And they were just about to move in together. And then she couldn't leave, um, nor could he go to her. So there's this sort of like beautiful, sad long distance romance happening that was not meant to be long distance um and that's that's what i think of when i think of toronto is uh how how has it been um for you just sort of in terms of the way the city's responded and and you know sort of feeling feeling like everybody's in it together is there a sense of that there yeah i think it's been pretty good and they're starting to slowly reopen things but if you know they're there's the positive aspect of that. And then there's the people who just, um, you know, w- they opened the parks like about a week ago. And then all of a sudden there was like a thousand people in the park, <laughs> many of them young without a mask on. And you go, right. well, what do you, <laughs> for God's sake, it's simple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, but I have to say most people um, I found have been very respectful, have been wearing masks. The uh, stores, there's never been any, um, I've never found any problem with spacing or anything like that. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think um, our cases have been going down. I mean, they're still, well, I mean, not as high as others. I think we had like 400 in the whole province. Mm. Um, But yeah, they've done, I think they've done well, actually. Um, The premier of our province is not someone who I personally am fond of, but he actually did very well. He really stepped up during this. Yeah. And now he's sort of, he stepped up so much and he's now going back to where he was before, but, you know, <laughs> but, but dealing with the pandemic, I thought he did quite well. Yeah. And where are you from originally? Are you from Toronto or are you from elsewhere in Canada? I was born in Scotland and- <gasps> uh, Oh, I gasped again. My second audible I gasp. Know, I think- <laughs> I, I, if I find one more, I get a coupon. <laughs> you do. Um, you, unfortunately, uh, yeah. it's for a place in the States, so you're not going to be able to take advantage of it because it's got a very, <laughs> very quick turnaround uh, expiration date. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was born in Scotland, then we moved to Canada when I was young, and I, I grew up mostly in Vancouver. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Beautiful city. It is a beautiful city. There's yeah. a, I feel like there's a little bit, I don't know if it's, it, maybe it's, maybe it's like a U.S.-based thing in the same way that, that, that that sometimes rivalries get imposed from the outside and uh, and cities are like wait what I didn't know there was a competition I, I feel like there's a slight in the same way that there is maybe a one-sided uh, sense of competition for San Francisco with LA um, not that I've observed it in the people who live in either place which is why I say it feels like it's maybe imposed from the outside but I do feel like there's frequently for people like that I know who work in in both cities there is a little bit of like a well I guess we have to have this conversation now which do you prefer Vancouver or Toronto like there's a sort of proving ground I knew exactly where you're heading and yeah there is I mean Toronto thinks you know the the west coast are uh you know pot smoking hippies (laughs) and out here uh you know they're all businessmen with sticks up their asses so right um I have to go with, I, I love them both equally. I see yeah. the faults and um, the pros for both. I mean, Vancouver is beautiful. It's where I grew up. My family's still there. But here is where, um, I, uh, Toronto is where my, I, I met my wife, uh, where I was with Second City. And uh, I have uh, lovely friends here. Um, both, yeah, I've, it took, I have to admit, it took me a while to love Toronto. 
and part of it, I think, was that inbred distrust of Toronto being from <laughs> yeah. the West Coast. But then you get there, it's like, oh, yeah, there's lovely people and there's dicks just like back right. in Vancouver. <laughs> right. so it's just the weather is different. And, uh, and aside from that, um, yeah, no, I, I ended up loving both places equally. I think they're both wonderful. I, I happen to be, the most time I spent in Toronto was during the summer. So that was a bit difficult for a kid from Arizona who's only ever lived further west than where she was born. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've never t- really taken to humidity. Uh, and I was there, I think, in July. But um, yeah. but I still loved it. I mean, I still, you know, rented, I faithfully rented a bike so I could ride around and take all the different great bike paths uh, along the lake and otherwise. And um, yeah. it, I, I really loved it. And I love Vancouver. But and then I worked on a movie uh, in Vancouver during the winter and I suddenly hated Vancouver. <laughs> it happened so quickly. Yeah. If the same could happen during a bad winter here. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and when you when you were in Vancouver, did you was there an opportunity to pursue comedy, or was that something that came post Vancouver for you? Yeah, that's where I um, sort of started with uh, improv. I was at a theater school, and I saw this demonstration of this thing called theater sports that had mm-hmm. just been uh, started in Calgary by this. Um, English guy Keith Johnstone and he'd come taught some workshops and then they put on this like mini show I thought wow that's that looks like a lot of fun I like to get interested in it and then um, like a month later they opened up this league so I joined Um, this lovely um, theater owner let us have the theater Fridays and Saturday nights after the main show was on so we'd have late night shows the first I'd say mm, six months was us running into the McDonald's next door, pulling people out saying, hey, come to our show. And then going, oh, what's your show? Um, we don't have it yet. You have to show things at us and then it'll be there. Trust us, it'll work out. And then within a year, there were lineups around the blocks. We became like this big cult uh, hit and we started doing our own productions. And that's where I met Ryan uh, Stiles. And... Um, yeah, so uh, that was a, a great time for me. And, and through that, I, I got to do uh, like real theater and started <laughs> to do television. And um, yeah, it's improv has been very good to me, obviously. Yes, hello, this is Janet's other voice, one of several welcoming you to the middle of the show. Ah, what a wonderful break from my regular voice, huh? And yet, what a wonderful return to my regular voice. Friends, I wanted to quickly read just a little bit of a wonderful email I received from Jem. Jem, I did not ask your permission to read this. I feel like you're going to be okay with it. And I hope that none of you think that this means that I'm an untrustworthy person. I am so trustworthy. I've never sent. Why am I whispering? That is the worst way to come off as trustworthy. Oh boy, Jim. A uh, couple of just quick sentences. I, I'm just extracting the most kind of general things. Also, yes, I realize I said most. Uh, first, thanks so much for the podcast. I've been listening for a long time, and almost every episode, I can relate to something that someone says. Oh, could that be more music to my heart? Thank you, Jim. And to all of you who have said similar things, either in iTunes reviews or to me directly, it means 
the world to me. Uh, she goes on to talk about a specific episode that she really loved and then ends with, anyway, thanks again for the entertainment and place to feel less lonely in some of my experiences from high school. I appreciate you. Needless to say, I burst into tears, tears of joy and appreciation when I received this uh, email. This is why I do this. It is so much fun hearing from you guys and it so means so much to me when you're able to support um i know it's tough and i know people are making sacrifices and i just want to say thank you so much if you do kind of have this podcast as an outlet as a way to connect with your feelings with your past with other people and to feel like you're connected in some way to something bigger that is oh god i've got to get better at not crying when i do these max fun drive things that is why this is so important and it's why it means so much to us. Uh, it's certainly why it means so much to me. Woo! Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for making it possible for me to have Julian, my astonishing and wonderful and warm-hearted producer, and all the wonderful people at Max Fun. Max Fun Drive is a time in which there is extra communication between all the various hosts. And I've just fall a little bit in love with each person that I didn't already know and a little bit deeper in love with everyone I did. So it's a special time. And uh, if you want to be part of that time in terms of membership, you can uh, you can become a member starting at $5 a month. That gets you all the bonus content. You can access that as long as you remember. And there is a whole lot of it waiting for you if you jump in now. If you can join at $10 a month, you get a MaxFun membership card, a cool pin. You also get the bonus content. And if you join at $20 a month or more, you get this year's special gift. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. A game pack featuring custom dice and a custom deck of playing cards, all with MaxFun designs. I started sounding like a cartoon voice there. And if you select the JV Club as one of your main podcast choices, a Max game with me on video chat what that's right just visit maximumfund.org slash join to become a member now one other thing i want to say is you can get a subscription for a friend for a year so you can both enjoy the boco and swag i can't believe i've gotten used to saying boco instead of bonus content you can get a gift subscription to someone you've never even met if they had to cancel this year due to covid or all of the ripple effects that that has had um you would be paying the boco and max fun gifts forward to someone who could use a little extra cheer i love that this is available this year i'm doing it um, I'm going to do it. So you can just check the anonymous Max Funster box when filling out the online form at MaximumFun.org slash join. And again, a he 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 choo, but also a he 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 huge thanks to all our members who have made it possible for us to keep doing this through all of this time. It was so important to Max Fun that they take care of you, the listener, be sensitive to you and what you're going through. That's why we postponed the drive. And, uh, and they really wanted to take care of their staff. And they have done that in just such a wonderful way. So this has been wonderful. And where we are in membership with the drive has blown everyone away. And it's, uh, it's just it's just meant a lot. And it's, it's been a real bright shining light amidst all of this so thank you thank you thank you thank you and if you're ready to become a member to help support the show you can visit maximumfun.org slash join guess what it's time to go back to colin mockery so you were in theater school were you in was that college age or was that earlier yeah so that would be i would be 18 um oh okay so that was young yeah. Now it feels I feel I have a, a lot of um Canadian friends who 
you know, were just like heavily into competitive improv, even in high school, um, which I'm always very envious of because that just was not a part of my reality as a high school student was, you know, improv was something that I watched, you know, other people do on television, yourself included. Um, And then, you know, having a sense now and not even having a sense then that that was something that high school kids got to do. And then, you know, in in my many years since in LA, I, I still feel this sort of angry, ugly twinge of envy when someone's like, oh yeah, no, no. We won uh, Best in the Nation, I believe it was, when I was 14. Like, oh, that would have been so cool. Well, when we started, nobody knew what improv was. Yeah. Uh, they sort of, um, I guess, Robin Williams from Mork and Mindy had sort of, uh, people sort of got an idea from that. And before that, uh, Jonathan Winters improvised his entire act. So, but it was still, nobody really knew what it was. And then it became, uh, um, starting with theater sports, just this phenomenon. Because I think it was one of those things you could do anywhere. Mm. Anyone could do it uh, conceivably. And um, all you needed was a place to perform. You didn't, there wasn't, you didn't have to build sets. You didn't have to, sure. uh, you just needed that one night. You can do it in a church basement or wherever. So it became very popular. Did you delve into longer form stuff um, later on? Or, or you're sort of best known for theater sports. Um, was that something, was, was longer form stuff anything that you ever really got attached to as, uh, when you were younger? Um, I don't think it had been invented yet. There you um, go. <laughs> it was mostly short form. And then I was with Second City for a while. And there was around that time that in Chicago, they were developing like Harold's and longer forms. And I, I've done uh, quite a bit since then. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a, um, a, a Zoom improv show. And it was uh, an improvised Dungeons and Dragons, which is fun. And I have never played the game don't really know what the rules are yeah uh, but it was so much fun just making assumptions that were often totally wrong uh, <laughs> was it D proper because i just did an improvised one that's sort of the same concept as dungeons and dragons but it but it's a different like you sort of take on a different roles in a different era mine was victorian england oh yeah we were um i was a cleric and uh, there was a uh, goblins and whatever their uh, <laughs> different things are <laughs> zoom zoomglins everything's zoom everything's zoom now all, all things. yeah yeah um i've not i'm not yeah i have not done a bunch of that's a thing that 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 people do you do you get asked that like as an improviser or an actor um i think pe- people are like well surely you you know you did like dungeons and dragons or you did role playing games where you know you're sort of using your intellect and your imagination to build out these worlds with people i, I was like no i know no one ever asked me to do those things yeah i i i didn't know anyone who had a dnd group um my my daughter actually uh, plays it i yeah i uh, I think the first time I ever heard of it, there was a TV movie with Tom Hanks back early in his career where he was a Dungeons and Dragons guy who, of course, went insane. Because <laughs> that game does to you. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe Children this is Children be to warned. Avoid, to avoid. I don't know. It was like a reefer madness for D&D. Right. 
I don't think I've heard of this. Oh, I need to find this this uh, cautionary find it. tale. It's called Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, that's great. I guess maybe I have heard of the movie Dungeons and Dragons. It's possible I didn't have I didn't connect Tom Hanks with it at all. Um, what was your What was your uh, your high school like? What was your uh, Was it public? Was it private? Uh, it was public. Um, yeah, it was actually um, a great school. It was it had a great spirit, and um, it, it was a very diverse school. Um, we had a lot of um, Asian. My best friend, Nabi, was uh, uh, Japanese. I think I was, I think there was only two white guys in our kind of group of friends. The rest were um, Pakistani and uh, some Iranians. <laughs> it's, uh, but it was, it was fun. That's great. Uh, we, uh, we all, uh, yeah, it was, um, I'm trying to, th- yeah, I had a great uh, theater program. Um, I was actually, I kind of, in a way, wasted the first couple of years or the first four years of high school because my plan was to become a, a marine biologist. So I was heavily into sciences um, until I got my first laugh in a school play. Then it was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I have to change this now. <laughs> It's going to take you a lot longer to win over those dolphins because first you have to really find some sort of common ground language so that you it can really, exploit their intelligence to your benefit for laughs. And really, I think the only reason I wanted to be a marine biologist was of the TV show Flipper. <laughs> I think that was the only thing I thought, oh, and then I thought, hey, wait, there's other stuff in the ocean besides dolphins <laughs> who aren't as friendly. <laughs> Well, that just goes to show my feelings about Vancouver, which are very positive. But in my mind, I thought like, oh, what a perfect, like, of course, uh, you would live in a city like Vancouver and be encouraged to be a marine biologist. That feels like the right, the right place to to sort of get that information and encouragement, you know, of so sort of like yeah. ecologically conscious, like, you know, the, the, the ocean, the open sea, let's protect everybody. I, I, that that made sense to me on a on a on a geographical level, you know. I was doing a children's tour way back and part of the tour went up into the Queen Charlotte Islands uh, on the north um, west coast of Vancouver and um, we were invited to some sponsor's house and they had their own little island and they also had kayaks and they said oh there were ocean kayaks and said you know if you want you can go and I thought oh that would be so nice so I I'm out in the ocean, <laughs> and I see over to my left, um, like a pod of killer whales sort of come up. <gasps> and I thought, oh, that's so cool. And then I remembered this thing I read <laughs> <laughs> that from um, underneath, yes. a kayak looks like a seal. Yes, yes. Which is like one of their favorite snacks. Yes. Um, so I thought, oh, I don't even remember getting back. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> going backwards, like really slowly going, can I pick up on my heartbeat? And <laughs> it was like, and I, I, I'm not a, you know, I can swim all right, but I don't think I can outswim a pod of killer whales, but I made it. But it was, <sighs> it was one of those things where just overcome by the beauty of the moment, followed by abject fear. <laughs> and, 
that's been my life. <laughs> it is sort of, that is that is a perfect that's really a perfect place perfect time kind of moment to have that quick of a transition right because it's not you know if it had been sharks I think the fear probably would have been very immediate if it had been dolphins perhaps there would have been you know only wonder a little bit of awe and a little bit of discomfort like oh I'm in their world now but the, the the perfect balance of the kayak and it in particular being killer whales feels yes. very right doesn't it it really feels like it was a perfect recipe yeah, I think once my mind had um, recognized them as killer whales, <laughs> I started to go through all the things. So chill, yeah, what do they kill? Oh, yeah, oh, why? <laughs> uh, yeah, ocean kayaking, that intimidates me. I feel like I've, I, I, I can handle a good lake kayak, maybe a mm -hmm. very lazy river, but um, anything that's just like that... I love the idea. I'm not a surfer. That's probably not a surprise based on what I just said. But the idea of being that vulnerable in the water, uh, it makes me a little nervous. Yeah, that was the last time I did it. <laughs> I, yeah, I got, you know, it's never going to get better than this. So right. <laughs> That's right. And possibly only worse. Yeah. Um, and so, so you wanted to be a marine biologist. That's a... That's a great uh, and very specific uh, vocation to be to be pursuing or to be sure that you want to pursue when you're, you know, 14, 15, 16. Um, Flipper, obviously, having a huge influence on that. What yeah. uh, what, and then when you're in 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 high school, there's I'm guessing not a lot of immediate stimuli towards continuing you in that very very specific direction so it feels like oh down the line of course i'll be taking classes in college at university where i'll be you know getting getting the very specific experience i'll need to be a flipperologist and uh and so here you have this high school experience where they have a wonderful theater department you get your first laugh how long did you you, you joked about it but was it really kind of immediate like oh i want to do this it was immediate. It was like <laughs> uh, what I imagine a rush of heroin would be. Uh -huh. It was, uh, I remember it. I, I still remember it so clearly. I remember it was me on stage with one other guy, and I just felt warm all over. And it was um, and just tingling, going, this, okay, how, how do you do this all the time? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, immediately um, the, it was... Yeah, I guess towards the end of um, grade 11. Yeah, so grade 12, I totally switched over to the arts. Were you, this is a gross question that I feel myself uh, asking anyway. Yes, it is. A, it's going to be a sweet deal for you. Uh, were you the funny friend? I mean, were you all, or were you, you know, you had a funny group of friends. Was it like, did it feel very natural in some ways to kind of transition that over to a performance thing or did it feel more out of character um i think everyone was shocked i was very quiet i was very oh. shy um i was a bookworm i was an honor student which all went away once i went into theater <laughs> um yeah i guess i i was probably dryly funny uh in my my little group of friends but yeah i was not the class clown um, I was very studious. I wasn't. I wasn't serious, but I, you know, I I was there to learn apparently, and um, yeah. And then I, 
it was like becoming a werewolf. Even um, even once I started doing Who's Line, my wife Deb started calling the guy on Who's Line the other oh. because it's so not like me. There are times I'll be switching a channel and I'll see the other, and I'm just embarrassed for that guy. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> He is shameless. Look what he's doing just to get a laugh. A whore. Yeah. I've, I, I, you know what? That's one of the most likable things you could have said, and you already come off as very likable. And I am including the capital T, capital O, the other when I say that. Um, but that's that that's a uh, that's very that's a very charming thing to say. I'm I I believe that it's true, but um, you know, I think I think being able to separate from that person not like not being able to see that or not having any perspective about what it is to be a comedian or what it is to be an improviser um I think it's probably better for the soul (laughs) maybe to to be able to kind of step back from time to time and go like oh boy what a a ham like that's how I you know I feel the same way I sort of look at some of the stuff I do and go like whoa turn it up another notch why don't you um I I always want to keep those things separate my like my real life and my other life. Because uh, also that would get so tedious in real life. Oh, yeah. uh, I would think to be in a relationship who was with someone who's just constantly on and going for the laughs. So uh, luckily my wife is much funnier than me and I can just relax. There you go. Let her handle the bulk of the comedy in the relationship. Oh, no, she's uh, fantastic. When we go to parties, I don't have to do anything. She's a great <laughs> storyteller. She's, <laughs> I can just sit in the corner and nurse my wine. That's wonderful. Did you have, uh, was, was there much blooming romance uh, when you were in high school? Did things improve uh, or not improve when you got into theater? Sometimes people say, I got into theater for the girls or for the boys. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I've heard that. It didn't, uh, <laughs> no, I, um, I was, I became the really good friend of people. Sure. So many sure shoulders um were just wetened by <laughs> you know someone i had a crush on <laughs> or yeah. someone i could have had and i was like oh okay so that how did i get to that point and um there were yeah i i also suffered from being quite oblivious to when someone was interested in me mm. so i would always miss the moment right. it would be like years later i'd say oh Oh, you know that time where I, I was so close to if you just made a move, and it was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, oh, that's when you want a time machine to go back and say, okay, show me the point where you're yeah. sending up signals, just so I could, yeah. Well, and it's it's funny too because you think you you almost would think that the experience of being on the inside as the good friend, you know, sort of in some ways like cursed to be that good friend uh, for a lot of a, a lot of time, and and that's that's a a story. Again, many of my favorite people were that person. Um, mm-hmm. You'd think that maybe that would give you the sort of insider's knowledge to then be able to astutely recognize each nuance of a woman's behavior, you know, <laughs> like you would, yeah, you think. would sort of get the insight and, and, and more often than not, not at all. Like there's those two things don't, they weren't going hand in hand at all. No, no, um, no, 
<laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> not even close. But I ended up having some very, uh, very good friends. And um, I, I guess I take comfort and they all felt totally safe with me. Yeah. And did you, did, when you started doing theater, did you feel like that was, um, a, did that become a step towards becoming maybe less shy, uh, you know, how we always recommend that people take improv, even if they just want to kind of get out of their shell and they're not planning on doing performative improv. Do you feel like theater was a step in the direction of like, and then I became, you know, even more comfortable just sort of meeting and talking with people? Or did you sort of, did that stay with the other and non-theater Colin was maybe still like more comfortable just in his friend circles and not like gregarious? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think I definitely got better. Um, but then I'd have to start over whenever I go somewhere new. So my last year of uh, high school, I um, just started doing, I, I was in the student council. I uh, ran a radio show. I started doing all those things. And then when I went to college, it was like I went back totally to square one. Mm. Um, I wore a winter jacket. <laughs> I think for the first two terms of my theater school, and and uh, this is Vancouver. It wasn't you know really yeah. cold. <laughs> my acting teacher made it her personal um, objective to get me to take off that jacket. <laughs> so it really odd. was the it really was a fairy tale story of like the girl who hides behind her long hair. You you were protecting yourself with that winter jacket. Yeah, I guess so. At the end of my first term, we, you know, we all have our uh, meetings with the head of the program. And the only thing he said to me was, you're really good at low comedy. And I thought, <laughs> all right, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, I feel good with that. Right, right. Um, and then what I built specifically upon. did that mean? What specifically did that mean? What did that, in what did uh, that encompass? Slapstick, <laughs> gags with it. And I think what, he ended up loving me because he was exactly the same way. He, uh, there was no gag too low that he wouldn't throw into um, a show we were doing. And um, we were kindred spirits in that way. And uh, he just passed away, uh, I think, uh, maybe two years ago. He was 96. He was still touring. He was doing one-man shows. He was working on his latest show where he was going to play all the famous women characters in Shakespeare. Mm. And I thought, man, okay, that's how I want to, that's what I want to do. I just want to go until I, I, I stop. Yeah. Did, who, did you have uh, kind of cult heroes that you looked up to um, in, in comedy or... Uh, in film and television when you were in high school? Were you kind of a pop culture kid in that way? Oh, God, yeah. I used to watch... I, I, I feel like I watch television all the time. <laughs> but obviously, it's not true. But I, I, there are times I'll, there'll be a retrospective on something. I'll go, oh, I know that show. I know that show. Oh, And they're so obscure. That I, thought, <laughs> I must have watched every... But how? We only had like three channels and we couldn't tape anything. Uh, but people like, uh, I was a big Dick Van Dyke fan, uh, The Carol Burnett Show, um, SCTV was, um, I think, a major one. And then Monty sure. Python. Um, just anybody would make me laugh. Like going back to like 
Chaplin and Buster Keaton, Jack Benny, Bob Hope. I was a big fan of. Um, yeah, I there were so many different people who I really admired and um, wanted to emulate. I think I'm guessing. I think the big one was Bob Hope, just because, and not his. I mean. Um, his later stuff, like all his specials, I wasn't into at all. But his early stuff, like he did, he started in vaudeville. He did radio. He did movies, yeah, uh, television, and he sort of created this character that Woody Allen and others sort of uh, borrowed. Uh, so he was someone I, I actually stole a lot from. And then John Cleese, and then SCTV because they were Canadian and because they were also amazing that um, that really tweaked something in me. And I got a chance to, like I've gotten a chance to meet all of them and become good friends with uh, some of them. It's just boggles my mind sometimes. Yeah, I, first of all, I want to say I'm disappointed because for one brief flickering moment, I thought I found the golf connection between you and this other person with your last name through Bob Hope, but that's just not, it just didn't, it didn't turn out. Um, uh, I, I, I am interested. I I sort of, um, when you said Dick Van Dyke first, that, that clicked with me just in terms of what you had just been talking about in terms of like what you, what you enjoyed and what you loved doing. I mean, that's, then that's a, a great example of somebody who's like, you know, masterful at clowning, uh, which I will yeah. maybe replace saying, you know, using the word clowning instead of low comedy, um, because I do feel like it's such there's such art to it. And there's a there's, you know, like like improv in general, there's such a difference between like really artfully doing it and and not artfully doing it. And, and they deserve different words to describe what they are, uh, because, you know, the the doing it right is kind of a perfect form of entertainment for any age and for anyone anywhere that's a human being. Um, and, and so I, it, I, it makes sense to me, um, and with Bob Hope too, but it makes sense to me to be attracted for someone, the, the way you come off as a performer, for someone to be attracted to people who are doing that kind of high, low, that kind of high meets low mm-hmm. stuff, as well as being maybe the more self-effacing characters opposed to the, I'm going to ridicule someone else. Um, and that's where my comedy comes from. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, Dick and I, those shows hold up uh, today and are just as funny as they were when they first were shown. And it's because they're all, um, there's real people and, realish situations i think carl reiner who wrote it would often talk to the performers and talk to writers and ask for real stories from their life the, obviously from the more outlandish ones and they they would use them and i think that's why it still sort of resonates today because you still go oh yeah i i worried about getting bald or yeah i had this problem not communicating with my wife and it spiraled out of control so um yeah those are the kind of shows i love that have a sort of are funny because uh, they surprise you and yet there's something familiar about them mm-hmm. because you've experienced it 
Yeah, which is arguably a different uh, than the kind of equally brilliant absurdity of something like Monty Python, where you're not necessarily, you know, turning on Monty Python to see a bunch of relatable situations involving, no. <laughs> you know, giant feet uh, and or, you know, knights and, and so forth, but also completely wonderful and absurd and great. Oh, absolutely. I always say there's always there's two things about comedy. There's two things that make you laugh. The things you expect and the things that you don't expect. And yeah. that's it. It's that simple. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. You wept as we crafted the tragic tale of Jar Jar, a Star Wars story. Yeah. Dude, like he forgives Darth Vader. Lisa <laughs> still love you, Annie. <laughs> you gasped out loud at the shocking twists of Face Off 2. Face is wild. He takes his kid's face. What? <laughs> now we're writing an entire screenplay week by week on Story Bricks Season 2, Heaven Heist. Hey folks, Freddie Wong here with some exciting news about Story Break, the writer's room podcast where three Hollywood professionals have one hour to spin cinematic gold. We're shaking up our format by turning Heaven Heist, one of our favorite ideas we've ever come up with on the show, into a full screenplay. Heaven Heist is an action comedy about a crew of misfit gangsters robbing the celestial bank of heaven. Think of Coco meets Point Break. Join us as we write this crazy movie scene by scene and get an inside look at the screenwriting process on our podcast Story Break every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. I want to conclude the podcast, uh, the sort of last quarter-ish of the podcast. Uh, I like to close with a very childish game from teenage, nay, secondary school, nay, perhaps even primary school days. It's called MASH. Uh, it is not something you ever need to have heard of, but I will tell you that I, I will do most of the work. What I'm going to do is ask you to give me uh, some some favorites uh, in these different categories I'm going to give you. And in the end, I'll do very simple, rudimentary, not even really math, math. And uh, I will give you an, sort of an alternate universe future for yourself that will include some of these various things that you like. Um, it's just basically just a really complicated way of ending on a note of thinking about things that make you happy. Uh, so with that in mind, Sweet. I would like to start out with this first category, which will be, uh, apropos of what we were just discussing, three people in comedy or theater or film that are no longer with us that you would have loved to collaborate with on some level. Um, Jimmy Stewart, Great. Bob Hope, and <laughs> Doris Day. Great, great, great. Okay, uh, next one will be three places in the world. Even if you haven't been there, we're going to sort of give the idealized version of what you imagine it to be. Three places in the world that if we could teleport you there, it would be lovely to have a vacation getaway. Like a home, a vacation home. Um, Tuscany. Mm -hmm. uh, New Zealand. Yes. Auckland. Auckland. I love Auckland so much. And... Um, Portugal. I've never been to Portugal. I would love to go to I mean, Portugal. That, yeah, that was actually going to be our next family trip. And then, you know, this happened. Yeah, we got to get you there. All right. Um, that's going to, you know what? We're going to make it happen again. I don't know how, but somehow this conversation will end the issue with coronavirus as we know it. Uh, okay, next category. Let's do three 
times, places, events. It can be sort of a famous era in time or a, a very specific event. We're going to give you the ability to time travel in a sort of safety bubble so that you can see something that has passed uh, with your own eyes. Uh, so a specific event or... Either way, either way, it could be like, I'd love to see the flapper era, or it could be, I'd love to solve uh, the JFK thing once and for all if you are a person who doesn't believe it's been solved. I, I have to say, I do hate not knowing. <laughs> well, there you go. I, I, so, I want a picture. Yeah, okay, I want that. That's why. Okay, one. great. I want, I want to, although, you know, I don't want to be there and get framed for it. I no, see, so exactly. that's where the safety bubble comes in. You're, you're invisible. You're an invisible spectator to these things. All right, excellent. Um, I would like to see um, the first stage performance of Laurel and Hardy. Oh, great. And um, I'd like to see the painting of the Mona Lisa. Ooh, wonderful. Okay, uh, next category, let's do three alternate careers. Three careers. We're going to imagine that it's only the good stuff. Uh, three careers that would have been fun to dabble with in this kind of alternate universe. Um, a, a rock star, but I'd, I'd like to be part of a band, like a, a Beatles kind of thing. I, I wouldn't want to be like the only front person. Yeah. But yeah. Great. That and um, oh, marine biologist. I was so hopeful. I was so hopeful. <laughs> I was so hopeful that that would make an appearance. Great. Uh, okay. Uh, next category is three movies that you can jump into and just engage with the characters and be in that world. You're not reliving the plot. It's just sort of the the, the ability to immerse yourself in a world that's like beloved to you on some level or interesting, intriguing in some way. All right. Um, Singing in the Rain. Great. Um, North by Northwest. Oh, great. And Dangerous Liaisons. Oh, hello, Left Field. I love that movie so much. I have to watch it again. I was like uncomfortably obsessed with that movie when it came out. I just thought, I thought about it a lot when I wasn't watching it. Did you particularly um, identify with one of the characters? Uh, I don't think it was that. I think it was just, um, I mean, I'm a sucker for, for kind of period dramas with corsets and stuff like that anyway, just because I'm I'm fascinated by the fact that we've evolved from that on some level is just so crazy to me. Um, I feel so far removed from that that I, I'm very, very fascinated by that anyway. And then the performances in that are just so good. They're just so good. Michelle Pfeiffer's vulnerability, Glenn Close, John Malkovich, Uma Thurman, who arguably is a goddess uh, even in that um, just yeah I just loved it so I'm, I'm excited that you reminded me of, I haven't thought about it in a little bit and uh, so I'm glad I made it onto your list you yeah gotta watch it again yeah um, okay next category three foods uh, that for whatever reason you can't have you know sort of in perpetuity in a, a gluttonous way in in this reality be it that you know you sort of feel weird about it ecologically if it's you know if you have feelings about eating beef or if you have an allergy or if it's just something that's uh, far enough away that you you know you can't have it we're going to give these three things to you uh, availability snap of your fingers with no ramifications all right an authentic British um steak and kidney pie great 
uh, kangaroo meat. Oh my! Okay, great. And uh, I was gonna say watermelon. I don't think that's right. Be <laughs> <laughs> sure I can get a watermelon <laughs> somewhere. Um, uh, Blowfish. Uh, blow okay, great. Great, great, great. Uh, okay, next category. There's two more. Uh, the, this next category is let's do three artistic skills that you either utterly lack or that you have, but you would like to uh, have further developed and be a bit of a, a maestro at uh, three artistic skills. Uh, play guitar, paint, and sing. And then last category, let's do... Let's give okay. This is I'm um, I'm gonna make the last one sort of a gift to the the familial household that you're in right now. Um, uh, uh, there's a room that sort of exists in an alternate space, so it can be as big or as small as as you need. Three rooms that it would be wonderful to have for you and your family to enjoy. That are you know again, it's a sort of magical room. So it could be a room that is a little private forest, uh, but it could also just be like a gym. Um, three rooms, three magical rooms that we that we just add on to your existing house without it taking up any square footage. All right, um, a planetarium. Beautiful. Okay, so this can be anything. I would like. No, I don't know. No, I was gonna go for a Sea World thing with like dolphins and killer whales, but then I thought, no, that's not like them. So, they're just going to um, be waiting for you to tumble into the water. At some that's point. right. If I forget about them, it's, uh, it's, it's too much trouble. That's no. right. Um, I would like um, uh, a, rec- um, a room that is a recreation of um, a, this room in Venice that my wife and I stayed at um, for our, it was our second honeymoon, I think, or third. It was our 25th anniversary. How lovely is that? I love that. Mm. Um, and number three. Number three would be a comedy room with all um, the three of us, all our, all the people and things that make us laugh would be in this one room. I love that. Okay. Um, well, this is great. So now I just need you to give me a number between one and five. Four. Great. <laughs> you know, as an improviser, I should just say the first thing. I... Like, I thought it. I went. I was going to say no, no. Everyone says three. <laughs> <laughs> What's that about? All right, four. So I'm going to go with four. I, I showed them. I showed them with my unexpected four. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, I have to say, it's the. This is one of those weird in betweens where it's not. It's not improv, but it's not not improv, and I think it. It um it stops up me and many other of my improv friends because it's just thoughtful enough and feels just weighty enough. Like oh, I mean, I can't just say whatever comes to the top of my mind. I'm going to be living with these things for the rest of this alternate universe. I, I you know. number <laughs> exactly. This is this is very key. Um, I am doing a little bit of again that mild calculation that is going to uh we're going to find out which one of each one of these three categories you end up with. Um, would this be a good time for uh, us to revisit where people can find you uh, if there's anything you would like them to be aware of knowing about now if uh, if there are books movies uh, upcoming tours if that's going to resume anything like that 
um, shamelessly self-promote is, I guess, what I'm asking you to do. Hey, you think I have something? Um, actually, my whole family, my, my wife, my daughter, and I are doing um, um, an online performance. I don't know if you can get in the States, actually, now that I mention it. Um, but it's, it's um, called uh, We're Funny That Way, and it's a LGBTQ plus um, a fundraiser that this woman named Maggie Casella does every year, and she always asks us to do it. And we got a chance to do a little scene with the three of us. So um, it's called We're Funny That Way. It'll be on Instagram. Um, I'll be posting about it and on my Twitter also. And I think that's That's it. great. Yeah, I would yeah. I would love to if there's a if there's an existing link. Um, there are people in Canada who uh, lament things that aren't available to them uh, when they come up on the podcast. So uh, this one's for you, Canadians. Even if it's not available here, finally you get yours. Exactly. You get yours sounds like a revenge thing. I guess you get yours is not good, right? I mean that's that's no, it's, it's typically uh, used uh, to be like you're gonna get yours. I guess it depends on tone, but yeah. You get yours. You get yours. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, there's no way to <laughs> in a weird way. Uh, okay, I have the results of this uh, this 100% guaranteed fictitious mash future. Right. I want I'm to I'm holding you to this. I oh I there's... and I will and I will. This will be uh, sent to you in a signed document. A signed document. <laughs> Um, you have a beautiful apartment in Auckland that I'm very excited about. You have the, the ability to pl play a, what I can only describe as masterful guitar. Masterful guitar. You'd think that that would mean perhaps that you would have ended up with your alternate career of uh, being in a, a, a some sort of Beatles-esque band. But in fact, you are a highly accomplished chef. Oh. Uh, and that, I think, is good for everyone because you are going to be consuming tremendous amounts of blowfish, which I think it takes a delicate hand <laughs> to make safe and wonderful. Uh so I, this, this, this chef development feels like the right move. I also want to congratulate you on your ability to solve once and for all the mystery of who shot John F. Kennedy. Mm. I want to congratulate you for your ability to jump inside of Singing in the Rain whenever you desire, whenever you just need a, a little bit of the energy that you get from that wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, you have a uh, wonderful relationship with uh, uh, your performing partner, a colleague, Doris Day. Um, I'm really excited to see what comes of that. And you have uh, for your family, for your family, and for you to enjoy whenever you like um, the sort of transportive experience of your home planetarium. Oh, that's pretty fun. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. yeah. So this is all, again, guaranteed. Again, <laughs> cannot be enforced it. outside of the United States. I don't know if that's going to be. Oh, oh man. Oh, the, oh, oh, the fine print. The fine print. Oh, shakes fist. Um, that is the conclusion of the podcast. I I hope I get a chance to see we're funny that way. Um, I... 
I guess I maybe what would have been fun would be to talk. <laughs> what am I doing? A recap at the end where I talk about all the ways in which I failed, which I failed this interview. Um, all right. I think no, I'm, I'm useless. Cry on my shoulder. Oh, good, good. <laughs> no, I just wanted. I don't. I did not want to gloss over um, how lovely it always is to hear. It's 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 not something I will ever uh, be tired of, to say the least. To hear about a you know a parent and a child relationship, not child obviously, but parent and offspring relationship um, in the LGBTQ world plus world that is as positive as the one that you have. And you know, you know this, but um, we can't uh, we can't set enough good examples in the world for um, people who are maybe a little uh, struggling a little or a little further behind in their own ability to, you know, accept things about their kids and stuff. And so um, I don't want to let the opportunity go for me to say, you know, I think that that's wonderful and it's really important. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, she's our kid. We love her. Uh, she is um, one of the greatest things of our lives. So this was, I've never used the word journey so much in my life, but it was <laughs> a, an incredible journey. And I learned like my wife's family is quite conservative. Um, in fact, I think if they lived in the States, they might even be, Trump supporters, Ooh. but to a person, they were accepting of her immediately. Great. And I realized it's because, of course, they know her. They know who the person is. So yeah. all that other stuff was really none of their business, and it's unimportant. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Uh, another piece of good news in, uh, amidst things that uh, maybe are hard to hear about sometimes. So um, thank you. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. I am such thank a fan. And um, I was really excited when I when when Jeff told me that uh, he was working with you. I, I said, oh, this is this is a can't be missed opportunity. So thank you again. Oh, it was I had such a lovely time. Thank you. I hope we get to uh, bump into each other sometime. That's right, Wonderfuls. You've reached the end of the episode almost very nearly. And all you have left is a quick message, Remax Fun Drive from me. But before you say goodbye, remember, this is the last time I'm going to be talking about this on the podcast feed, at least in the sense of me asking if you want to join, which, by the way, I don't know if you realize this, but you can do so at MaximumFun.org slash join. <laughs> Anyway, I do want to express gratitude to everyone who listens, whether you are a member or not. Thank you so much for being part of this show's community. Uh, if you've taken the extra step to join as a MaxFun member, thank you for making the show possible. And please know that we are so, 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 so grateful for your support. And thank you again. You know, I know like a fundraising time is, is I, don't, I don't think it's anyone's favorite time, Um I, 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 I don't think any, I think all of us wish that like we could just do everything for free all the time and that there wouldn't need to be people being paid to do their jobs. Um, however, thank goodness you are supporting Max Fun and all its podcasts because that team of people is a group of beautiful shining gems which I think I also just described Steven Universe, but that's cool. Uh, um, and uh, and we can't do it without your support. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for being a part of the community. Thanks for listening no matter what. Spread the word. Thank you for helping in other ways if you can't support uh, financially. Um, you, are, you are it. Could not be a triter way to end an episode, a podcast, a max fun drive, but you are the reason that this all happens. 
And I just appreciate your listenership so much. And listenership is a very, very corporate sounding word. And I already regret using it. But I do love you guys. And I thank you. I'm going to whisper again, even though I know it sounds untrustworthy. But also, if you're an ASMR person, this one's for you. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported